Welcome to the Books and Travel podcast. I'm Jo Francis-Penn, thriller and dark fantasy author, bringing you escape and inspiration about unusual and fascinating places, as well as the deeper side of books and travel. You can find the episode show notes at booksandtravel.page. And if you enjoy thrillers set in international locations, download one of my ebooks for free at jfpen.com forward slash free. Hello, travellers. I'm Jo Francis Penn, and this is episode number three of the Books and Travel podcast. And today it's just a solo show. I'm talking about reinvention, escape, curiosity and perspective, the main reasons why I travel. So one of my earliest memories is looking out my window over the fields by night at the back of our house, wishing I could be out there. I cuddled my white fur seal teddy, my fingers clutching the white window ledge. And I remember the white of the window ledge and my white fur seal. And I must have been about six or seven. And my mum lived at the time in Malawi in Africa, which I talked about uh, in episode one. And uh my parents had divorced. Now, me and my little brother lived with my wonderful dad. I was safe and happy. This is certainly not about misery. Um, and it wasn't that I wanted to leave my dad in any way. It was that out there seemed so much more interesting and exciting. And that preference still underlies my need for travel. Now, some people call it wanderlust an almost uncontrollable desire to travel, sometimes at the expense of common sense. I I feel the word lust means sometimes it completely overwhelms what we should be doing. (laughs) Uh, Others call it fernware, which is another lovely word, a German word meaning far sickness, the opposite of homesickness. And I guess that's when you know, homesickness is I will go home, I need to get home, otherwise I will just die. And this is the other way around. I must leave, I must get out. And both of these things suggest a slight mania, <laughs> I think, this need to escape. And I think I like Jack Reacher's explanation. Now I love the Lee Child Jack Reacher series, and this is books and travel after all. And in Never Go Back, um, this is a quote from that book. 99 of us grow up to love the campfire and one grows up to hate it. 99 of us grow up to fear the howling wolf and one grows up to envy it. And I'm that guy. Or presumably that girl. (laughs) Because when I read this, I actually highlight, I mean, I I rarely, I'd say probably I, I have never underlined anything else in a Lee Child book. I enjoy the books for being thrillers, but not usually something I would underline and find deep wisdom in. But I, when I read these lines, I was like, oh yeah, that's exactly right. So I love Reacher for restoring balance and vigilante justice. But I guess I'm also a little bit jealous that uh, Reacher leaves at the end of every book. Uh, he At the beginning, he arrives somewhere new. And at the end, he leaves with just his toothbrush in his pocket. So here are some more reasons why I travel. Number one, reinvention. So in the year 2000, I was living in London, celebrating that the millennium bug 
didn't actually happen, (laughs) although we had all spent years preparing for it, living well on corporate expense accounts. And yes, I was part of that uh, IT group of people who went around trying to fix the Y2K bug, (laughs) which then didn't destroy the world. Um, I was 25 in the year 2000. I partied definitely too hard. I drank too much and I worked like a demon. I worked super hard. I'm, I'm a little bit of a workaholic, to be honest. Uh, I popped painkillers and caffeine tablets by day, tequila shots and vodka. Vodka with grapefruit juice, I seem to remember, by night, oscillating between wild excess and ascetic abstinence and, of course, hangovers. And to be honest, and these are some of my darker <laughs> darker times, I guess, although I actually barely remember that time and the alcohol certainly had a bit to do with that. I was lost and couldn't seem to drag myself into a new reality. I had glimpsed a different way of life when I sailed on the tall ship Soren Larsen in 1999, which I talked about in episode one, but I returned to my day job and my rut of a routine soon after. It seemed like the only way to reinvent myself was to leave and start anew. And I was more scared of the person I was turning into than the upheaval of heading to the other side of the world. And somewhere else or that outside uh, was, or out there was somewhere I wanted to be and much more preferable to the reality that I had created in the London of my 25th year. So I resigned and uh, actually resigned on my 25th birthday. And then I left London in May 2000, arriving in Perth, Australia, determined to become someone new, to reinvent myself. I learned how to scuba dive in Fremantle on the coast and did my first dives on Ningaloo Reef, um, which was just incredible. And I'm going to talk about scuba diving in a, in a whole separate episode because it, it has had a big impact on my life. Uh, snorkeled with whale sharks as I headed north and I camped out across the expanse of Western Australia, watching the stars of the Southern Hemisphere pass overhead. And if you are a Northern Hemisphere person or a Southern, you, you know, understand that the stars look different uh, from these different perspectives. And I walked in Kakadu, which is probably if you're going to Australia, I would say Kakadu National Park would be the real Australia in in my mind, and also uh, hiking and kayaking in the Northern Territories um, between Darwin and Alice Springs, which again, that classic red earth that I think of uh, when I think of the real Australia as opposed to the coastal cities. Um, So I spent that time really trying to reinvent myself, letting go of who I was. And I didn't shed my old self easily. Not at all. I was still in my (laughs) mid-twenties, to be fair. And there were still plenty of nights of excess. But reinvention is easier when no one has expectations of you. And when you can move on the next day and never have to explain yourself. Uh, When you can be anonymous. And this is something that I find very important to me. Um, I like being anonymous. That's why I want to live in cities. Um, Some people find that scary, that anonymity, that you could disappear and no one would even notice. But I find it liberating. And again, circling back to that Jack Reacher quote, that's basically what Reacher does. I want to be able to up and leave. (laughs) That's basically what it is at heart. 
So that was a, one invention, a, a serious reinvention, I guess. And then fast forward to 2004, not too many years later, and um, I had a brief marriage to a dive instructor in New Zealand, and that marriage fell apart. Another story. <laughs> I have so many stories, but this podcast is only just beginning. So give it time. <laughs> I can't do everything at once. Um, yeah, so I needed to reinvent myself again because uh, when my husband, dive instructor, uh, left me, which is what happened, um, I I couldn't deal with what that meant. So I would not be the woman scorned. I would not be the one left behind. I would not be the broken one. That has never been my character. And if I stayed around people who, because of course I'd built up a new life, if I stayed around people who knew me, they would treat me that way. And the only way to reinvent myself, I felt, was again to leave. <laughs> it's becoming a bit of a, a theme. So uh, I left New Zealand and I was living in New Zealand then and I traveled to Egypt. And to be honest, very different countries, New Zealand and Egypt. Now, I had always wanted to visit Egypt. Maybe if you're listening to this, you're someone who also has romanticised Egypt so much. Uh, I'd visited the mummy room at the British Museum when I was um, little and in Bristol, where I went to school, Bristol in England, they also have mummy exhibitions. And one of my favourite things on a Sunday would, would be um, my mum to take us to the museum and we'd go see the mummy. So I also had colouring books. I remember my colouring books from when I was young, colouring in these hieroglyphics and, and then, of course, in Indiana Jones. And <laughs> these these things all play into my fiction now. But just going back to that trip, I took off my wedding ring uh, on the plane over there. So when I landed in Egypt and the sun was as the sun is in Egypt, and again, I'll write about Egypt in, a, in more detail at a different point, but the sun was so strong. In fact, I remember one, the temple at Karnak, it was over 42 degrees that day. And yeah, that was a pretty tough day. But over the weeks I was there, uh, sailing up the Nile and, uh, you know, visiting the temples and everything, the white band on my finger disappeared. And I didn't tell my fellow travellers what I was going through. Instead, I wrote so many journals. I wrote sort of five or six journals in one year, full of all my my pain. And I found joy again in the rock-cut temple of Abu Simbel. And if you get a chance to go there, you have to fly south from Luxor. Um, but it's incredible. It, it really is a sort of highlight of my love for ancient Egypt. And then, of course, the tombs of the Valley of the Kings. But Abu Simbel, because it's so far away, has far fewer visitors. So I eventually wrote about these places in Ark of Blood, which is my third arcane thriller. And I go back to Egypt in that book. Obviously, if you're looking for the Ark of the Covenant, going to Egypt is a good idea. So in terms of reinvention, I returned from those travels each time to a normal life, uh, job, relationships, bills to pay. So it wasn't like I left and opted out of society entirely. I returned. But the act of removing myself from the daily grind enabled time to think and to heal and to reset, which is what I needed. I needed that reinvention. Number two, escape. 
So those big journeys were reinvention, but they were also escape. Escape from the trap I had built myself in London and later escape from the expectations of marital breakdown and petty from others, the expectation of how you're meant to behave. Uh, And I couldn't bear those things. I preferred to leave rather than face the expectations of others. And whether it was strong to leave or weakness that drove me away, I don't think that really matters. Um, Those were big trips, obviously, but I also travel for smaller moments of escape now. (laughs) I don't need reinvention anymore. I don't need to run away from my life. I actually love my life. Now, I'm only 40, almost 44, so maybe there will come a time when I need to run away and reinvent again. But now, it pretty much is more about escape. So let's face it, Everyday life can be mundane and routine is boring, but necessary. Get up, deal with the family, go to work, deal with work colleagues, sort out the chores, do the money thing, try and get to the gym, do some exercise, eat healthily, occasionally have sex. And uh, this way, days pass, months pass, years pass. And, you know, we need that. That's life. (laughs) But travel provides a spike of peak experience, moments you remember, sometimes for the rest of your life. And I'll be sharing those moments with you on this this podcast. Um, You'll also have photos to demonstrate that for a time you were someone else, somewhere else. And often we can be those different people in a different place. Now, I'm a full-time writer these days and I never write when I travel, which is kind of hilarious. Now, I do scribble notes in my journals. I write journal type things. Um, but And I take lots of pictures, but I don't write coherent pieces. I don't write stories while I'm traveling. I fill my creative well and indulge my fascination in a new place. I walk for hours. I'm a huge walker. Um, I love exploring and experiencing and eating and drinking and consume it all. I am a lover of pleasure. <laughs> I let it sink into me and I notice things, much of which much of which even, finds its way later into my writing. And that noticing and feeling like the things you notice are different because you're seeing them differently as an outsider, that's what I try and bring in. So as much as I need to escape and travel for escape, the last 10 years of producing published work have taught me that I need routine to write my books. I need boredom because when I am traveling, I have escaped. I've escaped what my brain needs to do uh, in order to actually create. And when I am somewhere new, my brain is buzzing with the excitement of that new place. And um, But I need boredom so I can turn those experiences into words and then, of course, what I find, it's just this this oscillation. Once I am back, I start craving escape once more. And what I tend to do is I promise myself that once I have turned my experience into a first draft, I fuel that drive um, with a promise that I will get away again as soon as it's done and be able to escape for a little time again. Number three, curiosity and book research. 
So wherever we live, our slice of the world is so tiny that it's almost inevitable that we want to learn about other places and other cultures and other people. And we crave variety, the lure of the new. And part of the reason I started Books and Travel is so that I can share the travels that have inspired other people and other writers, as well as also sharing the travel behind my own books. Uh, Because I think there's so much more than actually is in the finished product. (laughs) that is important. And each trip for me becomes inspiration for my stories and my journals. I have so many journals. I'm one of those people who just has been journaling for, what, 25 plus years now. So I have a lot of them. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I have, and I I also have thousands of photos. Uh, Literally, again, I have about 20,000 photos that I've taken, mainly since digital photography came in, because of course, back in the day, uh, we didn't take so many pictures. <laughs> now, I want to bring a glimpse of something new to your life and uh, share a spark of inspiration that might light a fire in you to travel to a new place, even virtually. And also by interviewing other authors, I'm getting an insight into places that have inspired them. And of course, that will probably inspire me to travel more, which is exciting. So sometimes I visit a place specifically to find a story. So for example, a couple of years ago, I traveled to New Orleans and uh, I was there with some other authors. We had got a train from Chicago down south and uh, we co-wrote a book together, which eventually became a sacrifice. Um, But that, and that was a kind of dark fantasy novella. Um, But I was then in New Orleans and I was doing some of my own travel and investigation. And I knew, I would find more stories in New Orleans. I knew that by being there and experiencing the place, I would write about it sometime. It didn't really matter what I did there, I would find story. So uh, I went out kayaking on one of the Louisiana Bayou, which was just fantastic. And one of those situations where you can't replicate that experience exactly anywhere else in the world because the, that bayou um, wildlife and wetlands just is so unique. And uh, even though that didn't go into the sacrifice book, 18 months later, I wrote uh, that kayaking scene into Valley of Dry Bones and my um, uh, Jake Timber, one of my arcane agents, ends up taking a kayak trip through the bayou and then is there at night. And by revisiting that trip both in my mind and in my pictures and then in my research because of course I needed to know more about what what the different um, uh, flowers were and what were the bird life that would have been there that type of thing I was able to revisit my memory and that scene probably would not have existed in that book without me doing that kayak trip. So that's when I visit specifically for story. And the other time, other times I integrate my memories with new research. So back in 2006, which is before I ever thought I would write anything <laughs> like worth publishing, um, I visited Varanasi in India and uh, saw the burning ghats, which is where the, they burn bodies on the banks of the Ganges. And um, again, I'll do a separate thing about India sometime, but the that Varanasi experience has actually come out now in several books. Um, it's, it is the opening scene in Stone of Fire, uh, my first arcane book. And then also I wrote about it in Destroyer of Worlds. So even though I visited there to 2006. Um, I later then went back to India 
in 2013, cycled down the southwest of India and visited Fort Cochin, also known as Kochi. And we visited a 16th century synagogue. Uh, now, very rare to find synagogues in that part of India. And it was an incredible place. Now, those two things merged in my mind in some way and created part of the story that is in Destroyer of Worlds. And that that is a part of the travel where I go to places, things go into my brain, and then like a bit of a compost heap, they emerge in, in a different way, kind of mesh together. So I don't know where some things will end up in my books, but I do know that travel fuels my creativity. And without it, I am lost. Number four, perspective and gratitude. It really is only by leaving that we discover how good life really is back home. So after 11 years living in Australia and New Zealand, I returned to live in the UK in 2011 with my very happily married second husband. (laughs) Um, Now, many people often, well, people ask us all the time, why did you move back from New Zealand in particular um, or Australia? Because these two countries are kind of considered ideal in many British people's mind. Uh, They're like the perfect places to live, the places they would emigrate to if they had a choice. And the thing is, I hold a New Zealand passport, so I I can live uh, down under again. I have the choice to return. But by returning after so long, and 11 years is, is a decent amount of time to live away from your home country, I find the United Kingdom to be the place I want to call home. And there's clearly a lot of political pain and it's not a perfect country by any means. But I've seen what it's like to be in so many other places, not just Australia and New Zealand, but I've travelled a lot in the US, I've travelled in the Middle East, I've travelled in India, um, you know, in, in Asia. And I this is where I want to be. (laughs) I've recommitted to be here for the long term. And I can love this country for the good things it has and not take it for granted. And that's the biggest thing that we see as people who have returned to our home. Well, for me, it's my home country. My my husband is actually a Kiwi, a New Zealander, who has adopted the UK um, and he's now a British citizen as well. So we don't take it for granted living here. And for me, we leave. I mean, we continue to leave and we'll leave again many, many times. Um, We actually have chosen to live within, you know, not very far from an airport that will get us all over Europe very quickly. But I will come home again. And I intend to grow old here and write my books here with continuing gratitude for my travels and my ability to leave and come home again. So I hope you found that interesting today. And uh, those are just some of the reasons why I travel. And I will be talking about some of these countries in more detail in other episodes over time. So I'd love to know what you think. And you can always find the show notes and there are pictures and links and everything uh, if you go and have a look. So if you go to booksandtravel.page forward slash listen, you'll be able to go to the podcast page. And this is episode three. You can leave comments there or of course you can contact me on social media and all that as well so thanks for listening i'll see you next time thanks for joining me today on the books and travel podcast 
I hope you found a moment of escape. You can find the episode show notes at booksandtravel.page. And if you enjoy thrillers set in international locations, download one of my books for free at jfpen.com forward slash free. Happy travels until next time.